Good to have you here. And you know what? It's good that on a day in which this is a time when our nation sets aside a day and um, we remember our mothers. And uh, for a lot of people, that, that's a bittersweet thing. Um, there may be some who have lost their mothers and it, it brings back among the joy. It also brings back uh, a lot of pain. Um, and uh, there are not everybody has, well, sadly, not everybody has had the kind of mother that maybe you have had, and uh, that brings pain. So while we celebrate our mothers and remember them on this day in particular, uh, we need to be aware that uh, there are other people that are hurting on a day like this, and um, keep them <clears throat> in mind and in your prayers as well. And I also would like to say this too, because it is Mother's Day, and um, you're here, that tells me that at least to you and to your mother, that means that church is very important to you and that uh, your relationship to Jesus is important. There are a lot of things you could be doing at home, spending time together and celebrating together, but the fact that you chose on this day to come to church says something about your character and the things that mean a lot to you. And uh, because of that, I would like to share some thoughts this morning as to why maybe this occasion takes precedence on a day when we're usually focused on one another and our mothers. Why would we take time for church? I want to talk about this morning why I love the church. And I hope you understand that... um, uh, we're here because we love the church. That, that's why we're here. But not everyone shares the same kind of love for the church that maybe you and I have. Uh, to them, church is, oh, f- well, it's something to be dreaded. It's a drudgery. It's, a, it's sometimes a, a requirement that we have to, to put ourselves through. It's kind of like uh, you know, going to the doctor. Nobody wants to go to the doctor. Sometimes we have to go to the doctor. I started to say Dennis, but I've already picked on Gary once. So, but uh, you know, nobody wants to go to the dentist, but sometimes you have to, and and that's how church is viewed. Sometimes we we have to go to church on certain occasions, but church is more than you know this institution that runs over people. Church is more than just something that you know if you get in its way, um, you get run over. It's more than a cold, sterile museum that uh, is empty. It's, it's so much more than that. But yet to many people, that's all they see in the church. They see the church as being lifeless, ritualistic, and um, of very little value. And, and I know why they do that. Because we are a work in progress, And we have never yet arrived, but I'm telling you, to look beyond the flaws and see the perfection that God had in mind and that was planned in eternity in the mind of God. There are always going to be imperfections. There's always going to be a a ladder, scaffolding, a paintbrush, or something that is involved in the making of our characters. Those never go away. 
But because those things exist doesn't mean that I can't see past them and appreciate the beauty of the church. We do it all the time, don't we? Like when we're talking about physical structures, I dare say a building like the Empire State Building, there is never a day when there isn't some form of maintenance being done on one of the 100-plus floors in that building. Something is always under a state of repair or um, updating, being updated. We don't let that detract from the beauty of that building, do we? We don't say, oh, the Empire State Building, it's always, man, last time I was there, they had a scaffolding up in one of the hallways, or or they were painting one of the offices, and, and they were putting down some new tile over here, and, well, one of the water fountains wouldn't even work. You see, we wouldn't do that. We can appreciate the beauty even with all of its flaws. And I want us to take that same mindset and apply it to the church so that we can love the church as we should. There are always going to be imperfections. We're never going to get it right. You're never going to get it right. I'm never going to get it right. But can I look past the individual flaws and see the beauty of this thing that God planted on this earth? I think we can. And that's why we're here today. Because we, to some degree or another, and maybe in some uh, uh, greater degree than in others, we see the beauty of the church. I want to share with you four reasons this morning why the church is beautiful. And and let me say this too, and, and it just heightens it, at least it helped me when I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I was, I've got a dog, and this dog is like 75, 80 pounds. It's a golden retriever, overweight. It, it, it doesn't run enough. But this dog, this dog, well, you have to follow it with a vacuum cleaner because those things shed. I love a golden retriever, but boy, they shed all the time. And constantly vacuuming hair and and getting that cleaned up. Um, She is sneaky. Kim fixed every once in a while. Kim will fix fried chicken, and it's really good. And I look forward to it when she eventually does it. And so we had chicken one night, and, and I sat down and and I, I, had, I just took a couple, you know, little strips of it. And, and when I went back for seconds, I said, where's the chicken? And she said, well, it's on the... Th-. I said, no, it isn't. That dog had eaten the whole plate of chicken that Kim had fixed. And I didn't get any more than just these two little strips. Um, that's what it does. It um, ate a casserole dish one time. It ate a plate of chocolate chip cookies on another occasion. It, uh, it, it's called a golden retriever, but it's really a golden taker. It, it takes every, any loose thing that is not put where it, it's got a mouthful running through the house, taking and looking for socks all the time. But you know what? In spite of all those imperfections, I love that dog. You know, that, that dog is something else. But, you see, I look past its flaws, and we need to do the same with us. We're, we're not perfect. We, we have our flaws, but surely we can see past them to see the greater good behind it all. 
And I want to give you four reasons why I love the church. And the first reason is this. I love the church because Jesus loves it. I have made it an aim in my life, and like I said, it's a work in progress. But I have made it an aim in my life to try to be like Jesus, to try to think more like him. I I can remember the day, I mean, it was like an epiphany, when I, I was sitting in a college classroom in one of the general epistles classes, and we were talking about something that Paul had written, and it was just like, it clicked. And instead of just being a book full of rules, I saw the Bible really for the first time in this way that it's a way of life. It's telling us principles about how to live and how to be like Jesus. You know, sometimes we we can do that. We we don't see, and then, oh, the light bulb will come on, and we see, ah, this is it. And, and, you know, maybe it, you were much younger and that clicked for you a whole lot sooner, but it took me a little longer. And when I was <clears throat> nearly 20 years old, oh, if you asked me, do I need to be like Jesus? I would have said, yes, of course. I, I cognitively, cognizantly knew that. Um, can't even say that word now. I got myself confused. But, um, but as far as putting it into practice and making it a reality. You know, it was just like a light bulb going on that day. And I thought, I, I need to try to be more like Jesus in the way I think, in the way I talk, uh, the way I conduct myself. And that's why I love the church, because I'm trying to be like Jesus, because Jesus loved the church. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians because there are a number of passages in that fifth chapter that express the love that Jesus had for the church. Begin with me in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. He loved the church. We're to love our wives like Jesus loves the church. I don't think I need to explain what kind of love and how a man should love his wife. We know the depth of that love. That's the kind of love Jesus had for the church. And he had the kind of love for the church that, well, caused him to sacrifice for the church. Give his life. For the church. In Acts 20 and verse 28, the Bible says that we that the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many things would you die for? I mean, if your life was put on the line, what what do you value so much? If you know, I, I like technology, I wouldn't die for a piece of technology I own. Not a single piece, not all of it compiled together. I wouldn't die for it. I like a lot of things but I wouldn't die for it, wouldn't even think about dying for them. But what is there in this world that I love so much that I would die for? Well, the church is one of them. That's what Jesus did, and trying to be like Jesus, that's what I would hope that I I would have, that kind of love for the church. As I try to be like Jesus, I can't help but love the church, because that's what Jesus did. 
How many of you have um, things in your homes that you value? You wouldn't put a price tag on it because it belonged to somebody else and they valued it. Don't we all have things in our homes like that? Maybe they belong to your mom or your dad or your grandparents, and they, all they do is they sit on a shelf. But you're never going to throw it away. Because that was something that great-granddad bought, and, 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 or he used on a farm, and, and well, he took care of that tool, and, and that's that. You wouldn't sell them for anything because you value them because they were valued by somebody else that you love. That's what I'm getting at. Um, if you'll go to the next slide, I want to show you a picture here. Next week, uh, this coming week, we've got to go up home to my mom's house. My dad had a desk. Uh, as you know, he passed away in, in September. He had a desk that he used probably 45 years there where he, uh, well, not quite 45 years there where he preached. He probably used this desk for 40 years before they got him a new one. And it's an old desk. I don't need a desk. Uh, um, but I want to bring home this desk um, because it's the desk my dad used and, and the chair that he used. I want to bring it home too because it was his. It, it has very little value in and of itself, but it's special. I, when, when dad died last uh, fall, my sister and I were going through the church building, and this desk is actually in the in a closet in the basement of the building, not even being used anymore. And, and we saw it there, and we were talking about it and the memories, and, and we opened the drawer, and this is what was in the drawer. I had totally forgotten, but I was not supposed to write, obviously, in my dad's desk drawer, but I got this black marker, and I made a little Indian teepee. I don't know if you can see that or not. And then there's a little Indian with a headgear on, and I was really doing some work there, and then it got, I guess, got to bother me thinking, I'm going to get in trouble for this. So I wrote, I am Janie. I misspelled her name. Um, didn't even get her name spelled right, but I hope that would have taken the heat off of me. Well, you know what? I want this desk um, because it has sentimental value. And why do I love the church? Because it had value to Jesus, and I'm trying to be like him, and I love him. Here's another reason why I love the church, and it's because the church is family. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we're called the children of God. Uh, Through different metaphors, we're sometimes the adopted sons of God. We're sometimes born into the family of God. Uh, We're called brothers and sisters in Christ. We sustain a relationship not only with our Father in the church, but we also sustain a relationship with each other in the church. I wouldn't trade that for anything. It is wonderful to be able to travel across the country and to know that you can stop and be taken care of and loved because we're we're family. People recognize us and, and know us for not who we are, but because of who Jesus is, and we're his son or we're his daughter. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise will be wise. 
Don't you see that in your own life? You know, sometimes we make mistakes, and you put yourself in a body of believers who are trying and committed to following Jesus and making their lives come into conformity with his life. Don't you learn? Don't you get better? Don't you learn how to live? Man, how many times have I been influenced to do right things by people that have no idea, but they made an impact on my life? And they help me make decisions that reflect the image of Jesus better than I would have if I had never known them. That's what family does. Do you know how many times I've attended funerals and how many times I've stood at the head of a casket and I've had mothers and fathers and husbands and wives and children say, I don't know how I could possibly get through this if it weren't for my faith in Christ and my Christian family. Family's important. It it assures us that we're never alone. The church of Jesus Christ is is so important to me because because of it, I'm never going to be alone. I, I will always have someone who cares and who will pray for me and do what they can to help me. That's one of the joys of being a part of this body of believers. I really don't believe that there could be anybody allowed to go and do without, without this body taking notes and acting on the good of that person's on, on their behalf. That's, that's the, the beauty of the church. You know, those redwood trees last uh, fall, I held a meeting out in California And we went through one of those redwood tree forests out there. And these trees are huge. I mean, you can drive cars through them. They're that big. But what's interesting about these redwood trees is that they say, and I only know this by doing research and reading, but they say their roots don't grow down. But how in the world can these redwood trees stand and withstand the storms through the years and not topple over? Because they're so tall, and there's so much have to be moved by the winds and the storms that come, and yet they don't have deep roots. Well, how do they stay up? Well, the key, we're told, is that the root systems just run along parallel to the ground. They don't go deep. They don't go vertical. They, they go horizontal, and they mix with the roots of the other redwood trees, And so it's a forest of trees that are holding themselves up. Is that not what we do? Is that not comparable to the body of Christ? None of us by ourselves and by our own strength are so rooted that we can stand and withstand the the temptations and and the trials of life. Um, But I'll tell you what, we can do it together. We, We can help each other see these things through. That's why I love the church. Because it's family. We have people here that know that I have flaws and you'll still love me and work with me and be patient with me and give me time to correct those flaws. And the same for you as well. I love the church number three because of its impact in the world. Don't we all live in a time when we just lament the state of the world? Man, look at what's going on. How much farther down, you know, on this moral downgrade can we go before something gives? I mean, it's crazy to think where we were 50 years ago and where we are today. We have picked up so much momentum in the wrong direction. Where are we going to be another generation from now? 
I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this. If there wasn't a church in this world that allows itself to be a moral voice and a conscience for those who apparently have none or theirs have been, theirs have been seared, where would we be? Without the restraint of the church, without the restraint of godly people who are trying to serve Jesus, where would our society be? I often hear people, well, the Humanist Manifesto said, you know, this Christianity, this heaven and hell talk, um, it, it dis- distracts people from present concerns. All this talk about pie-in-the-sky stuff, well, all that does is make people useless here on this earth and, and distracts us from what we ought to be doing right here and now. I, I beg to differ. It's because of my belief in heaven and also because of my belief in hell that I am more diligent with issues here on this planet in the here and now. Where would we be if there was no restraint, no fear of hell, or no promise of anything beyond this life? Can you imagine what the world would be like without the church? I love the church because of the impact it has for good in our society. And I don't like where our society is headed. I'm sure thankful that something has at least stood against the current and tried to slow this down. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13, tells us that the church, disciples of Christ, are lights under the world. They're salt, and as salt, it's a preserver. It preserves And um, the church has done that in our society. And the last thing is this. I I love the church because it's the saved. I'm able to be with people that are going to go to heaven. And, And I want you to understand, there's no salvation outside of the church. There's nowhere in Scripture where in this time that we can come under the reign of God apart from His kingdom, apart from His church. The only way, well, in in fact, if you look at Ephesians 5, again, that passage in 25, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Um, He gave himself for the church. He might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, by the washing of water, by the word, that he might present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is going to take the church and give it, present it to to God. He's not going to do that with the world. The world will come under judgment. But the church, you see, they're the called out. They're the ones that God has called out of the world to escape the judgment of the world. And they have a special place in the plan of God. We have heaven as our home. The church is the body of saved believers. The church is not our Savior. I don't love the church because the church is going to save me. The church is not going to save you. Jesus is going to save you. But Jesus promised to save those who are in this called-out body of believers. I'm sure you've heard the story about this court jester. He, he would make a fool of himself to humor the king. And... Um, 
time came when the king just uh, enjoyed him so much, felt a sense of obligation to him for his years of service and the levity and the folly that he brought to his life, uh, the, the, the foolishness that took place. He said, you know what, here, take this scepter. Um, this is a gift that is given to you because you are the greatest fool that I have ever known. And he released him of his duties and sent him on his way to just live out his life however he chose. Years later, that king became very ill and was dying, and that jester heard about it, and he came back to visit the king, and he still had that scepter in his hand. And this time, it wasn't a jovial situation. It was life and death, and they sat down to have a discussion, and that jester said to the king, are you prepared for death? And the king just got quiet and said, well, I don't know what you mean. Am I prepared for death? And he said, well, are you ready to meet your Lord? And he said, no, I've never really given much thought to those kind of matters in my life. I've been busy with reigning and ruling a kingdom of men and trying to be a just and fair king. I've never really given any thought to Jesus before. And the jester handed him back the scepter and said, you know, years ago you gave this to me and you proclaimed me to be the greatest fool on the earth. And he said, I'm giving it back to you today. Because a man who would go to his grave without being prepared to meet his maker, that's the true fool. And it reminds us of what Jesus talked about, that rich man who was called a fool because he died having made no plans for his eternal future. I love the church because it's the saved. It's a body of people that will someday go to heaven. The greatest gift, you know, today's Mother's Day, the greatest thing that you could ever do, I know your mothers and my mother would have done anything to secure our well-being. If it was within their power, they would have done it. Surely they would have done it. If your mother knew that heaven and hell hang in the balance for you, I know what your mother would want for you. Any mother that loves her children would want the very best for her children. And if you want to honor your mother today, on this day when so many people honor their mothers, I don't know of a better way to honor her as well as your Lord than to surrender your life to Him and to live for Him. And to give your mother the peace of mind that says, my children are being taken care of by a benevolent God. What more could your mother want? Listen, if you're here this morning and you need to obey the gospel, why don't you do that this morning? Not just for your mother, but for yourself and for God who loves you more than your mother loves you. And if you're a child of God already but unfaithful and it's time to just fix things, make things right, get back in duty, and live and love the church that Jesus loves. We'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.